You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Well, here we are. We've been working towards this morning for a while, seeing how God has worked in in our church, what He's been saying to us, and and we've come to this point of even so. And I just want to write out the box, uh, talk about, read you the scripture, and then we're going to watch a video uh, in just a moment. But let me just read this scripture to you so you understand where we're coming from today. Revelation 22, 16, 17. I'm going to read 20 as well. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Okay, we're those of us who are Christ followers, we're the bride. And let the one who hears say come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. So he who testifies these things says, yes, I'm coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so right out the box, before we watch this video, uh, just want to say to you, that's that's what this series is about. This is about our vision, our mission, where our church is going. And we want to start at the beginning with, some history that we're going to show you here just this morning, but uh, just right out the gate to say what what that's saying to us is we long for the return of Christ because we know it changes eternity, but the deal is is he can change even today for you as Jesus comes into your life and changes things. And so here's a brief uh, little history video we shot uh, so you can get to know us a little better uh, to see where we're going then. me into full-time ministry and I was volunteering as youth pastor at another church I had no idea really what I was getting into I just knew I had to follow God and where he was leading me so that led here uh, this place was my first full-time job and I had started with three teenagers ended up having a service on Wednesday nights here with 40 kids and so God really started shaping me and speaking to me and preparing me really for what was next in my life and ministry and so I have very good memories and some tough memories of how God shaped me in ministry as I began. As God worked in me and prepared me as that youth pastor at that church, one of the things, some of the things that I learned that he taught me was seeing the need for our young people to connect in a deeper way with our church. I would see teenagers that would turn 16, get their driver's license, or they would graduate from high school, and then they would just leave church, and I wondered why that was. And so he placed that burden in me for, why was that happening? And I saw that there was a need for people not just to know about God, not just to walk an aisle, pray a prayer, but that people would really know God. A John 17, 3, knowing God, that was an intimate uh, relationship with him. And so as God worked in me to prepare me, I went to a seminary class that was just an elective. And a guy named Ed Stetzer taught the class and I learned about church planting. And I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could plant a church. And so as I took that class, God began to put the pieces together. And eventually one day there would be a meeting. And that meeting would be myself 
and a couple other guys, actually three gentlemen from this community. And we actually met across from my parents' farm in a house across the street, the home of Doris Hickson. And as we were there, we discussed the need for this new work to reach people that weren't being reached, to reach our young people, to deepen people's relationship with God in a, in a more profound way. And so from that meeting, uh, TCAR, the idea of TCAR emerged. So this is Coryton Church. This is where it all started for us when I left Blue Springs as a youth pastor and came here to be mentored by Rocky, to form our core group, to learn for a year, and then go out to launch the church. In 2002, I had the opportunity to, to meet Marty Shelton and uh, sat down with him and learned about his vision to plant a church up in the Rutledge area. And uh, we were on board. We loved him, loved what he wanted to do. And so we actually brought him on staff here at Corrington Church for a year. And then for the next three years after that, after the church launched, we, uh, we gave money to help him uh, in that launch. And uh, Marty's vision was to be a kind of church that was different from the other churches that hopefully would reach people that the more traditional churches didn't reach. It takes different kinds of churches to reach different kinds of people. And there's not a right or a wrong way to do church. There are just different ways, and different ways appeal to different kinds of people. And so the church at Rutledge would be a different kind of church that would appeal to a different kind of person. It would be a part of the same body of Christ as the more traditional churches in Rutledge and the greater East Tennessee area. And we were thrilled to be a part of it. We brought him here. We brought several other people who started the, uh, the church and were a part of the launch. And they got involved in ministries here. We showed them how we did things so they could formulate how they would do things when they launched. We equipped workers and, uh, and then they, we set them free and they went and launched. And the rest is history. If someone came to me and wanted to plant a church, the big thing would be, would my spirit bear witness with the spirit of the Lord and their spirit that they were capable of doing this? Was this a person that was not only called to do it, but was he capable? Because a lot of people want to do things they can't do. And I'll never forget, there's a guy that ended up being an IMB missionary eventually. And I sat with him years ago and, and uh, I said, you can do this. And he said, why do you think so? I said, I just believe you can. And when I sat down with Marty, the same thing. I thought, this guy really is called by God. He really can do this. And so we wholly endorsed him. Welcome to the very first official campus of the church at Rutledge. This is where we had our first small group meetings. We started small groups six months before we ever did our first service. And the reason we did that, it was an intentional uh, pursuit to go after a church that was modeled after the Acts 2 community we saw from scriptures. And so we wanted people to be in community together. We wanted them doing life together. We wanted to emphasize that the church was the people and it was the people in the community all day, every day, not just on Sundays in a building. And so we started small groups here at the home of Brady and Cena Howerton. And it was the first time we had ventured outside of Coryton Church where our mother church was sponsoring us, where we started to start our first meetings in Granger County. And so we did that here we also had our band formed here and practiced in the basement of Brady's house for about six months before that first service. 
just fine tuning things, learning how to do the sound with the equipment that we had we'd bought. And so this was our first home campus here in Granger County. Now what you see behind me here is Kingswood Chapel, which is in Bean Station at Kingswood Home for Children. And other than the Tomato Festival, where we had our very first service, which was an interesting service in and of itself, we began our first services here and would become our home for our Sunday morning worship gatherings. And how that came about is for years I had volunteered at Kingswood working with the children. Uh, I knew a guy named Steve Walker. He was, our, he was the campus minister here. And as we began to look for a place to start our worship services, we ran into a little resistance. We tried to get into the local schools and were not, not able to do that and kept looking for buildings which were not in abundance here in, in Granger County. And so my friendship with Steve created what we thought was uh, plan A to be in the schools. We figured out quickly that really God intended for us to be here at Kingswood and for many reasons. But Steve openly invited us and said, hey, this is just us, the kids and a few house parents using this big chapel. Would you come and be a part of here and get your church started here? It'd be good for us. It would be good for, uh, as we would come to see, it'd be good for our church. Uh, being around the, the children here, the parents of the children, as we would get to know them, it was interesting uh, that it, it hit really at the heart of TCAR and the kind of church we were to be. Another really interesting fact about the church at Rutledge is, is the first people who became Christians in our church were actually baptized in this pool at Brady and Cena's house. Maybe it's part of that different, really different aspect of TCAR. Uh, we didn't go to a lake or a pond or someplace like that. Didn't have a baptistry. Even when we started at Kingswood, uh, there was no baptistry in the church. So we would schedule and have get-togethers here at Brady's home and do baptism here in his swimming pool. See, it was here at Kingswood and being around those students, the kids, the families that were so broken that we developed a strong heart for serving other people, for giving when no one could give back. And we saw our church formed around people who were just broken, marginalized, discouraged. They felt like there was no hope. And so TCAR became known as a church uh, one person refers to it as the island of misfit toys, that it's just broken people trying to come together and, and seeing what God could do in the midst of that. And so learning to serve, learning to uh, reach out with the gospel in the most difficult of circumstances. And so that's what I would say to TCAR today is we are still that church. That is in Revelation 22, as we'll talk about today, that uh, as we long for the return of Christ, because we know how that will change things, that it will mean an eternity with Him, that even in the midst of longing for Him to return so that we can be with Him forever, that it's not just a hope for the future, it's a, it, it can change the present. That even though this world is broken, even though families are broken, even though lives are broken, even so, when Jesus comes into the picture, it can change things and can bring healing, 
can bring restoration. And so we say today, even so, come Lord Jesus. And so here we are today, uh, after spending one year at Corrington Church, ten years at Kingswood, and now three years here in this building, in this past August would be three years in this building. We built on the 15 acres we have here, which is an amazing story in and of itself of how we acquired this place. And uh, I can remember calling Brady. We had looked, we had offered on places, we had tried our best to to buy whatever anybody would sell us. And we, I saw the sign on this place, uh, on this farm, and I called Brady and I said, did you see the sign out here? I said, I don't know what it is. My heart just leapt out of my chest, Brady, when I saw that sign. I don't know whose place is. Would you find out about it? And so he found out about it and Miss Luton and what was going on. And we called and it was like, once again, door shut. It was like, hey, I'm selling all 98 acres. It's so many hundreds of thousands. That's it. I'm not breaking it up. So off we went looking for a place and uh, ended up trying to buy like two and a half acres up here behind the high school that was really not that great, but it was like it's all we could pretty much find at the time. And and then we're over there, and, and Miss Luton walks across from her driveway from her house across the street to us and basically asked us then to buy part of the farm, says, what part do you want? I'll even own or finance it. I mean, it was just like, what? <laughs> like, really? Like, and, I, and it was just, I remember that feeling when I called Brady when I saw the support sale sign. There was something in me. I'm not one of those people that are like, uh, you know, the Lord said, and so, you know, spoke this to me in a dream. And so this is going to be, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the word going, that's what I'm banking on is just that's what I know. And I can have some weird ideas and weird thoughts of my own. And I can't always put God behind that. But um I just remember feeling like, man, that's where we're supposed to be. Like, that's it. I just remember calling him going, that's that's it. And and so here we are. And just just that whole story. But it shows no matter where we've been, we are the church. It's it's not a building. It's not an institution. It's the people. And it's always been the people. And we've always had that sense of, we are the church, not this structure and this location is the church because we've been very fluid in our location, uh, whether it was at Coryton or in Brady's house or at Kingswood or here. It's always been about the people, not the building that we were in. And if this place went away, we would still be the church. It would still carry on. And so we gather this morning to celebrate God who has been so good to us to remember where we came from and who God shaped this church to be. And as you heard in the video, this church has a vision that was birthed by God that, that was a burden for the next generation. It was a burden for our young people, for our children, for our teenagers, very focused on awakening people for real, like not just a heaven or hell IQ test, not walk the Nile, pray to prayer, but no change in their life, but a real transforming encounter with God that just left you where you could not be the same anymore. 
true salvation that resulted in changed lives, very much focused on people who were not being reached in, a, in the existing churches. We never set out to reach people from, that were going to churches already. But we, we wanted to reach people who had no connection to church, who were far from God. They felt discouraged, disqualified, or had no hope. And I, I think back to the amazing things God has done. As I was talking earlier in the pre-service, I remember uh, going to Brady and saying, hey, can we do baptisms in your pool? And that was like a foreign thought to everybody at that point, uh, given all of our backgrounds and stuff. And there was a little pause, and it was like, he, you could tell it was like he wanted to automatically say yes, but he's like, let me talk to Cena. We'll, and so he comes back to me pretty quickly and says, yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be great, be fine. And so I just asked that up front when we, when we got down here, because I knew we'd have to have a place to baptize people, and I'm just not a getting freezing cold water lake kind of guy, okay? Um, and so I was like, let's, let's try to find a nice, hey, Brady's got a heated pool. That's wonderful, okay? So we went there. I asked him, and, and here's the amazing stuff that we've seen God do over and over and over and over. Is I would ask Brady that, um, and then little would we know, it was not just a few weeks, a month later, that the first person who would come to Christ in our church that would be baptized in Brady's pool was his daughter. It was just like, an encouragement to Brady to say, hey, you're being obedient. You're doing what? Here's, let me give you a little, little reward, a little light in that. And, and so it, it was amazing that we would start there and that would happen there. Uh, and, and so, uh, it, another story I thought of was, was a guy that, uh, He's not here now, but I remember the guy that was, he was living far from God, the lifestyle he was in, had a wife that had addiction problems, struggling with it. Um, stepchild gets put in Kingswood School, so that's how he ends up there. And and just coming there because she's there and ends up getting cancer at the same time. And then, uh, and through us being at Kingswood, he would come to know God. His life would be changed forever. He even became a small group leader. He started to work with the kids in the back with our children. I mean, just total flip upside down life change uh, just from being there. And he taught here for many years. And on top of that, to, to be cancer free today, it's just like another one of those things for him of God saying, I got you. You know, you're doing what I need you to do. And to see child after child after child baptized, some of them by their own fathers. You guys have got to see that here. Uh, or by their grandfathers and teenager after teenager that just met Jesus and were changed. And we have watched God take us as a church through our own struggles. There's, there's no secret about that. And when I met with Rocky and did this interview for this, for this video we did this morning, we, we talked for a little while. David's sitting in there. We filmed and, and uh, he, he told, shared a scripture with us from Ecclesiastes 7.14. And that scripture says, in the day of prosperity, be happy. Other versions or people will say, you know, when you're on the mountaintop, you can, you can rejoice and be happy. It's, it, that's, that's great experiences. It says, but in the day of adversity or in the valley when it's tough, consider. He said, it's in the valleys where we learn, where we really grow. 
Yeah, it's great times of worship and rejoicing on top of the mountain, but it's it's in these in these times of struggle that if we'll just sit back and consider and see what God's doing, we can really learn and grow and God can do some amazing changes in us in the midst of that. And we've seen both. We've seen happiness, you know, uh, in times of prosperity and on the mountain, but it's in that valley where we learn and consider and we grow in wisdom in those places. So for months now, as David and Tyler have come on staff with us and since the beginning of the year, we've been learning and God has been speaking into this church and where are we going in this church? And we've had many leadership retreats and meetings and long workshops and praying and seeking God and what he has next for us. So over the next few weeks, you're going to get to uh, be presented with and we're going to share with you the results of all that. And a lot of you have been involved in that. It's been a collective uh, process. And and so we want to share with you our the vision that God has given us, it's not a different vision from what we've had in the past because God gave us a vision and we've shared with you some of those elements, but we've we've reworded that and restructured that to to be more precise to where we are. Well, we're going to share with you what we call our mission at this point, which is here's our goals over the next year. And so, and and we're going to specifically share with you, here's what that means for you guys. As a church, here's what that means for us individually and what we're asking uh, for you to be a part of. And I guess one of the biggest moments for me this year, uh, it's been a few months back, and I remember waking up one morning, because in the midst of being in the valley, you sometimes get clouded and you can't see your way out and it's dark and and I just remember thinking, man, I just there's got to be a way to step up and and lead for us to go to the next place. And I remember waking up at 5 a.m. Uh, one morning, and I, I had been this song had been in my head, and I could not shake it. And it wasn't even a song I was like, wow, I really love that song. It's just it would just go over and over in my head. And we sang it this morning. It's the Christian Sandville song, even so. And it would just go on and on in my mind. And I woke up one morning at 5 a.m. with that in my mind. And I, I, grabbed a, I grabbed a pen and a paper and began to write. And from what I wrote that morning, it's been with me just like every day since. And it's, and it's what I've dwelled on. And, it's, it, it, and by the way, it doesn't make you more holy or more spiritual if you wake up at 5 a.m. and God speaks to you versus any other time. Okay, I know sometimes we feel like, oh, gosh, God spoke to me in the middle of the night or I wake up and pray. It's, that doesn't mean you're like more holy than everybody else. It's great when God speaks to I like God to speak to me like at about five in the evening when I'm, you know, pretty comfortable and it doesn't freak me out as much. OK, um, so it, just so you know that. But but I began to write all this stuff down and it just like flowed. It just it just like just went. And it was just unusual for me. And it was obvious the continued burden God has placed in me and in you being here at this church to see Jesus change things. And we can see in Scripture how God created things to be and how sin caused a great separation um, between us and Him and each other and how our identity and purpose and our hope and our fulfillment, all that has been lost in this world because of sin and the, and the curse and brokenness. And it's this world is is broken. And we can all, 
all of us, whether you're a Christian or not this morning, no matter what you believe, we can all look around in this world and see. You can see it every day. You'll see it today. The brokenness in this world around us. And yes, by God's common grace, and he's so good that we do see good things and we experience good things too, but so much curse and brokenness. And we have wars causing death and division in our our world, nations attacking each other, threatening each other, religious groups threatening each other and attacking each other, political wars that separate people, racial tensions that divide, and, and, and it seems like the more we step up and, and try to protest and talk about it, the more divide and the bigger the gap becomes. People divided over many issues. People talking about each other instead of talking to each other. Broken families, parents and children separated. Divorce. A breakdown in the, the God-created, prescribed structure of husband and wife and a family and the children. Addiction to alcohol, pain medication, or other drugs just seeking to escape the brokenness, the curse of this world and escape that life and just numb the pain, just medicate ourselves. Or trying to find peace and security through possessions and having enough to make me feel secure, like no matter what happens, I can buy my way out. Trying to find security and purpose and belonging in things that just can't give that to you permanently. Sickness and death and pain from illness and tragic events that happen due to a broken world or just because of people's choices. And then the abuse and the evil actions of people like the guy I recently talked to for an hour saying, how can God continue to let this world keep going the way it is when people like myself and there's so many others continue to suffer the abuse at the hands of adults when we're children? hurting children and we see slavery out of control in our world even more than ever before because of human trafficking that's going on. And the biggest issue in the brokenness that drives all these behavioral issues comes from our separation from God and from each other. People looking for satisfaction in the wrong places. Unfulfilled identity issues, no purpose, and running after finding something that will satisfy all that with this, with either a, a severe aggression uh, or, or just resigned to hopelessness. And so I'll medicate myself. People are, are thirsty for more than this world can offer. You see it all the time. Thirsty for more than we can produce on our own no matter what we own. And we were created for more, so it's natural to long for more. God created us for himself and for that perfect place of heaven, not for this world that's broken. And so we long for more because there is more to be had. And he wants us to be a part of that. And that's the only way to be satisfied is by the one who made you, knows you best, loves you most, knowing the worst stuff about you who gave us the Bible to explain the creation from the beginning of time so that we could understand that. And and what's amazing is that where we've got to and where we're going today in Revelation 22 is we're we're going to the end and looking at the end and going, hey, yeah, 
this is all broken and it's messed up, but even so, in the end, we know it's all made right and we're with Him for those who know Him. There's true life and real joy to be had. And from Genesis we see it until the last chapter of the Bible. That book is all about Jesus and that the fact of looking, anticipating His coming to die for our sins on the cross in our place all the way to the end where He returns again from heaven to bring His bride to Himself and to be with Him forever. Revelation 22, the last chapter, the final words of God's message to us, it calls out those searching. To those who know there is something more but can't seem to find it, and you can't on your own find it. God gives it to us. It's our hope for everyone we can reach and why this church is here. The chapter starts talking about the river uh, uh, of the water of life in heaven coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And there beside the rivers, the tree of life, a place where there is no more curse, no more suffering, all this stuff is made right, no more pain, no more loneliness, no more unsatisfied life. And then Jesus tells us He's coming quickly. We don't know when, but one day He will return. He's been here once, lived a sinless life on this earth, been crucified, raised from the dead to overcome death in the grave, and now He has ascended, left earth and returned to heaven and sits with God the Father. And now we have the Holy Spirit in us for those who believe and have placed their faith in Jesus. And now we wait and we watch. And I want to say this in the midst of that, because so many people get so wrapped up in the Antichrist, the Antichrist, the Antichrist. Okay, Scripture tells me I'm looking for Christ, not the Antichrist. So yeah, I'm aware and He may be out there. I'm not worried about Him because I know Jesus. Okay? And yes, I'm aware he exists and he can, he can, he, he's coming too one day. But there's an overcoming Savior who even has power over that. And I'm looking for him because my joy is in Christ, not the Antichrist. So some people get so down and negative and all oh, this world and, 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 and it's just, it's like it's a downer all the time. Yeah, they're a Christian, but they're so focused on the, the end times and the Antichrist that they're missing out on Christ and the joy you can have in him. And so, I'm just telling you, Scripture tells me to, to be looking for Jesus, not for the Antichrist. I'm aware he may be there, but hey, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for, I'm not trying to think, I won't go there, okay? Might offend David if I talk about Christmas. It'll be all right, okay? But, but it's he's ascended, left earth to return. You know, one day he will leave heaven come back to us. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, God the Father, and we have the Holy Spirit. Now we wait and we watch and we know Jesus will return one day to take His bride, the church, those who believe in Him, who place their faith in Him, back with Him. Until that day, we long for Him to come back and we say, even so, come Lord Jesus. We want to be with You forever in that perfect place again. That's what, it, look at Revelation 22. I'm going to start in verse 20, then I'm going to back up because I've explained the first part of that chapter, but it's a beautiful way to end Scripture. But he says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah, we're looking for that. We long for that. What kind of person longs for that? What kind of person does that? 
a person that knows what is to come in a new heaven and a new earth, not just that, but but who knows God and thinks, man, yes, it's wonderful to know him here and like I do now. But can you imagine being with him face to face, not having to deal with this world, but being in a place with him where it's just. It's just amazing forever. And there's always more of God. I think even when we get there, it's not like we'll get there and go, well, it's been a week now. This is that's great. Is there a Disney World around here or something? Like, I don't think we're going to do that. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be it's going to be like, wow. Oh, wow. Ten years later. Wow. Like, this is amazing. Like, just just learning and growing and knowing him more and being with him and enjoying all that. It's just a person who longs for Christ to return and is watching and waiting and anticipating that is a person who knows him and knows the joy that's in him and knows there's always more. There's not a limit to him. To know we're going to be in a place where all the brokenness is gone and those who know God through Jesus Christ are together with him forever. So yes, that gives us an anticipation and a hope for the future no matter what happens today. That's that being able to have hope beyond this world. That's that grieving with joy, even in the midst of overwhelming sorrow, we understand an overcoming Savior. So yes, that verse gives us that anticipation, but there is more than just that. Look back at verse 16 and 17. Revelation 16, 17 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, who's the bride again? The church, it's us, the people who know Christ, who know God through Jesus Christ. The spirit and the bride. So the, so I'll just say it this way, the Holy, us and the Holy Spirit. We say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Now we're not, are we talking about Jesus coming back again at that point? No, this is, this is, This is us knowing he's coming one day, but it's us inviting people to know him. It's us looking at this world that's broken, saying, hey, Jesus is coming. We're wanting him to come back, but we want you to come with us. Come and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who hears. So that's that's saying we want we want the person who hasn't heard before, who doesn't know who isn't his. We want them to be impacted by Jesus in such a way that they become a person who longs for the return of Christ and says, come. And they become a person that looks at this world and says, you've got to be a part of this. Okay. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. And why can we take it without cost? Because Jesus paid for it. That's the, when that song played over in my mind and I woke up at 5 a.m., I went straight to this verse and I just started, I read that verse and I started writing. And I'm just going to say this this morning. You got, you got problems? You'd sit there and say, man, I, my life, and I've got problems. You got problems? I'm going to look at you and say, good. Let's close in prayer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you got problems? I'm just telling you. Those problems, you know what's beautiful about it? It's there to drive you to Jesus. It's God's megaphone in your life. 
Anybody here not satisfied with life here on this earth? Good. You don't need to be, okay? And you're not ever going to find anything here that will satisfy you. Christian or not, because we were made for more. You're not supposed to be satisfied with this world. If you're, if you're trying to find satisfaction in this world, you're drinking from an insufficient source of water. Okay? You're drinking the water I just drank by accident in Honduras. Okay? It may look like water, taste like water. It's got some kind of life in there. Okay? It ain't the kind of life you want, though. Okay? It may satisfy you for a moment, but trust me, you don't want it. Okay? The living water that satisfies and brings real life is Jesus. That's it. And that verse says, now that we have drank from the living water for free, without cost, we're to turn and say, hey, broken world, you people who haven't heard, who don't know, you, you guys looking for life in, in, in wrong places, I would sing a country tune right there, but it'd just throw us off a little bit. Okay? You guys looking for that somewhere else? Come. Come drink the water for yourself, the living water that has no cost. It's free. Let the one who hears and believes turn around to others and say, Come, drink for yourself the water of life without cost. See, Jesus will come again one day. When it's all said and done and eternity with him will begin. But until that day, Jesus is still able to change lives. We're not just waiting for that change and a change of place. Jesus can change a life. There can be loneliness, but even so, when Jesus comes into the picture, it's now family. It's not loneliness anymore. There can be pain, and even so, when Jesus comes into the picture, there is healing. There is brokenness in this world, but even so, when Jesus comes, even today, there is restoration. There is addiction in this world today, but even so, when Jesus comes, it changes a life, and there's freedom. And I'm just going to tell you, as I keep going in these, as I was writing this and thinking about this, there's so many of you sitting out here and so many people who have come through our church that I go, there it is. There it is. There it is. There's addiction broken. There's loneliness gone. There's family hurts. There's family restored. There's, I, can, I can see it in you who know Christ. The even so moments. We've had a lot of them. There's emptiness in this world, but even so, when Jesus comes, it changes a life and there's fullness. Your marriage may be under attack and seeming like it won't survive, but even so, come Lord Jesus and it will stand and even get better. Your family is falling apart, but come Lord Jesus and there's reconciliation and forgiveness and He puts it back together. The church here in this world is being divided We've talked about that for two weeks and the devil is using even good people to hinder the church. But come Lord Jesus, 
The one who is building his church and not even the gates of Hades will prevail against it. And it changes things. Honduras is the murder capital of the world, but even so, we're hoping, come Lord Jesus, and it turns into the light of the world. I believe that country is on track, the church planting that's going on there that this church is a part of, that it's going to change a country from the, from the number one rated murder capital of the world to one of the most life-giving countries in the world that's sending missionaries all throughout Central America and around the world, seeing churches planted. And Jesus can do that. No matter what you have going on, when Jesus comes into that situation, the bright morning star, there may be overwhelming sorrow, but even so, there is an overcoming Savior. John 16.33 says, These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Okay? He's saying, I've I've told you, I'm I'm here and I'm telling you this stuff. I've done what I've done for this reason, so that in me you can have peace because in this world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. We can see lives changed right here and around the world because Jesus is the living water and we are the earthen vessels He is using to take that water to all who are thirsty. So that's our call for the next probably year or so. You're going to see all this stuff a lot. Okay? It's our call. We're going to focus on this for a while. And yes, even the church in America, when I think about it and what we've seen over the last 20 years, even when I started this church, I remember going to the Baptist Association, looking through all the records and and seeing the steady decline year after year after year. And I remember going to the director of missions at that time and saying, do you guys know that the church is dying in Granger County? And he goes, yeah, I know. I said, but did they know? He said, I don't think so. I said, well, you going to tell them? He said, no. Said, okay. And it, it just created more of a burden to say, we got to do something. Jesus wants to do something about that. And so he begins to speak and move people and bring things together to create a change. And a lot has changed. Even in the other churches around here, we've seen Jesus work and things begin to to move and change, to be more effective with the gospel and get back to what that really is. But even the church seems to be struggling in America and it seems so dysfunctional at times. But even so, Jesus is building His church. He started this one and He wants to do much more through it. And here at TCAR, the way He's going to do that is by building community on the foundation of Jesus. You're going to hear this a lot. I'm going to explain all of this next week. By building community on the foundation of Jesus, by making disciples who serve, and by reaching as many as possible wherever we are called for the glory of God. It's what you're going to see on a lot of things. That's our vision statement. And so it's community, it's serving, it's reaching. God is calling out this church to do that to see lives changed. You see, Satan can leverage all that you are 
or God can leverage all that you are for even so moments, life-changing moments, family-changing moments, community-changing moments, world-changing moments, eternity-changing moments. He can leverage you and all that you are and all that you have for that. This community needs this church because it needs Jesus to come into lives that are broken to satisfy their church. And I remember the first time I heard this, that, that, that even where we are at Coryton and, and hearing this, this phrase, it just stuck with me. It's always stuck with me. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Like, when are you going to go all out for the life God created you for? What are you waiting on? What are we all waiting on? Right? The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Let them come. See, me and my wife sitting here praying last night. After everybody had left, been working all day, thank you to everybody who's done everything they've done here. We sat here praying and there again, had to get me a little note and write something down. I thought about, you know, we say, I've had conversation after conversation after conversation all throughout this community and in this church. We form drug coalitions. We do all kinds of things. And we say, you know what? The pain medication deal is out of control. Drug addiction is out of control. It's overtaking our communities. It's so terrible these days. What are we going to do? We got to do something about it. It can't keep going like it is. Who's going to do something about it? We talk about it. Right? We know it's an issue. We know it's too much. We say, well, I'm concerned about the young people and our teenagers and our kids. I'm, I'm, I'm burned for that. We, we need to do something. So we've got this over here on one side saying, oh, we see this and we know it's such an issue. Then we could have a conversation over here and say, you know what? Politics is not the answer. Education is not the answer. Better insurance programs is not the answer. Republican or Democrat is not the answer. I hope people clued in at this point in this whole election thing that's not that's not going to solve our problems. It's probably going to make it all worse, okay? I don't care which way you go. We can, we can all stand around and go, man, it's it's We know all that's not the solution. And we could even stand here and go, what's the solution? And all us Christians would stand over here and say, Jesus, the church, that's the solution. All these problems are just symptoms of the virus of, of, of not knowing Christ. It's a spiritual problem. And the solution is Jesus, that he would come into that situation and change somebody. Why is there this big disconnect between the two? That we talk about one over here, we talk about one over here, and then we sit back and we are so marginal. We're such apathetic. I'm going to get real offensive right here, okay? We're, we're such consumeristic Christians that have no passion for Jesus and no passion for the church, but yet we can recognize this and recognize this over here. And we're so marginal. And we're so interested in everything else. 
I'm just going to say this this morning. This has never been a church that's called people to marginal. It's called people to consumerism where we say, well, uh, you don't like that. Well, let us, well, you know, let's change that. Let's let's. Well, we, we, we've never been uh, your best life now kind of church. OK, I'll just say it that way. We're not an everyday a Friday church. OK, we're not a. Man, let's let's just make it all great for us. It's been whatever we got to do to connect this to this and bring Jesus so that he comes into that. We've always called people to all in because it matters that much. And I'm not going to stop doing that. It's the way it's going to be here. And I won't stop until Jesus comes. So I'd like for us to pray this morning and I'll, as I always do, say, hey, you don't know Christ. You, you've never had that connected to you. You're over here in this brokenness. You're over here in this. I'm, not, I'm doing my life my own way. But you know what I need? I need Jesus to come and change things. Then right now where you're sitting, you can turn, you can say, Jesus, I see where I've been and who I am. I see my sin, and I'm part of the problem. But you're the solution. And so I'm turning to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin, and give me a new life. You can do that right where you're sitting this morning. So let's pray together with heads bowed and eyes closed. For the rest of you who would call yourselves Christ followers, I want you to have a serious conversation with, with God right now on where you are and what's going on in your life. And what he's asking you to do this morning. But first, those of you who say, man, I've been looking for satisfaction in wrong places. I need the living water of life that's without cost. I need Jesus. Just surrender yourself to him right now. Just say, I'm done playing games. I'm done just with a mediocre life. I want the life that God made me for. Say, God, best I know how right now, I give myself to you. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place for my sin. For coming back and defeating the grave, defeating death so that I could have a new life. And I look forward to the day you come again. But until then, I want to be a part of the bride who looks at this world and says, come. And lets other people know you can come drink of this water and I can tell you it satisfies. For the rest of you, say, I, I'm, I know God through Jesus Christ. I'm there. I know He satisfies. Will you leverage all you are and all you have, all your time, talents, and resources for the only thing that will matter for eternity? The rest burns up and goes away. You know what's the only thing that'll, that'll matter, that lasts for eternity? It's people. You'll leverage yourself for, for other people to know Christ. Let God leverage you for His kingdom, for His glory.
So whether you're just laid back, not engaged, or you're riding some fence, we just need to get over it and let's go. We need to be even an even so kind of church that says, yeah, all that's I, I acknowledge, yes, all that's there. But even so, come Lord Jesus. Change it. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for changing me. Father, and even in all of my still mistakes, even it doesn't make me perfect. It just I'm pursuing you, Father. And you're changing me a little bit at a time. But Father, even in the, those those mistakes, knowing the worst about me, you love me and you use me, and I'm grateful. I pray this would be a changing moment for all of us. That we would be so much more enamored with you and focused on you than anything else in our lives. That you would speak clearly to people this morning. That you'd bring healing where healing is needed. You would bring joy where joy is needed. You would bring togetherness and family where there's isolation and separation. Father, that you would reign, that you would overcome in the midst of overwhelming sorrow. And we just thank you that because of Jesus, we can even do what we're doing this morning. We can pray to you. We can come before the creator of it all that, that wrote Genesis all the way to Revelation that we looked at today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for people who are all in and just how you're taking people a step at a time and you're helping us all grow. We're just thankful. Sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back. God, if we're yours, we're moving. You're changing. And we just say, praise Jesus. So we pray all of this in His name. Amen.